It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 707 at News Talk WSB, 43.9 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape by talking on the phone to me. I have killed more plants than anyone I'm talking to right now, and therefore that makes me an expert. I've also set cash on fire, which sometimes is the other way that we judge who knows anything about plants. Our number is 404-872-0750. Phyllis and Lovejoy is first in line this morning. Hey, Phyllis, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I'm going to be clearing some scrubby brush and briars from uh, a section at the front inside of my house in about two to three more weeks. I want to replace that scrubby brush and briar um, growth with compact Nandina plants. Mm -hmm. When is the best time? Should I try to plant immediately, or would it be better for me to wait until spring to plant those? Today is a fine day. Tomorrow, the next day, this weekend, whatever you want to do, Phyllis, now is a perfect time to plant Nandina. Wonderful. Now, the brush won't be, be cleared for about another two to three weeks. That would be fine. Wait two or three weeks, still sometime in December, and it's still the perfect time to plant Nandina. Excellent. Thank you, Walter. <laughs> One thing, let me tell you some, a couple things to do, Phyllis, that'll make it a little bit more successful. When you pull the Nandina out of the pot that you buy it from a nursery, try to wash off or just shake it real hard to get most of the soil off of the roots before you put it in the ground. If you just use the uh, potting soil mass, I guess, as you pull it out of the pot and stick it in the ground, it will take a while for the Nandian roots to recover and start exploring the soil around it. But if you shake or wash off most of the soil around the roots, it won't hurt the Nandina at all, but it will make it a little more uh, adventuresome. The roots will spread a little quicker than around the root system you put into the ground. So try to shake some of the dirt off. That'll help a little bit. If you plant in the wintertime, it it's not a bad thing to put some really organic, slow-release fertilizer like SureStart that Pike sells, or um, Milorganite, the composted sewage sludge, or Espoma Hollytone. Just put a couple tablespoons of that in the soil as you backfill around each Nandina, and it will be very slow to release in the wintertime, but next spring when the ground warms up, all those fertilizers go to town and they get released to the roots and the nandinas look great by midsummer. So Excellent. shake the dirt off and one, have a good time. Question. With, it. with the spacing, how many inches, how many feet between each nandina plant? Generally speaking, the rule is Look at the mature size. Look on the label, and if it says the mature size of this Nandina is two feet high and two feet wide, you plant them on two-foot centers, meaning two feet from trunk to trunk. So look on the label, see if it's one of the really miniature Nandinas that are only about 12 inches wide, or one of the sort of moderate-sized Nandinas that's about 24 to 30 inches wide, and make your decision accordingly. So the, the center to center should be about the width. Thanks for calling, fellas. Appreciate your call. Ten minutes past the hour on Lawn and Garden. we got Catherine in Atlanta who joins us. Hey, Catherine, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How can I help? I, like everybody else in Atlanta, had about 12 inches of rain over four to six weeks. Yeah. So I was very, very late cutting back some perennials in my front yard. Yeah. And when I finally got to cutting back the Fostestesia last weekend, 
there was not a seed pod left uh, on it. Yeah. They, I guess, distributed all over my yard, sure. and I do not want an acre of phosphatasia <laughs> right. here. And I, incl- it, including it, spread across the um, grass that mm-hmm. I put out in September. What can I put out to keep all of that from germinating? You have made your bed, and now you're going to have to lie in it, Catherine. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I know. I was just planting. I was not planting. I was cutting some, let's say, Shasta daisy and peonies and coneflower that I was cutting just yesterday. Same thing. Rained a lot. Didn't get around to cutting things down. Went outside and decided, finally, time to cut the brown dead stems off of these plants to make it neater in the flower bed for the wintertime. You... Bottom line, those seeds are distributed, Catherine, and they're going to come up wherever they can. I don't think there's a pre-emergent that would keep that from happening. And so you vigilance next spring and pull them out when they're little, and that's about the best you can do. Nothing like preen or anything like that will make a difference. No, I don't think so at all. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, the prayer of the Atlanta gardener. I haven't done what I was supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's going to happen, Kath. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling, Catherine. Uh-huh. There's so many situations where, in my experience, I have to say, the here's the bad news. I can't think of any good news for Catherine, but here's the bad news. You're going to be pulling up those sprouts next year. Jan is out in Snellville, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help? Um, brief question. I have hydrangeas growing on the side of my house, which, of course, Looked great this year, even though they didn't flower, but I understood that. You've explained that many times this year, what happened. But I keep one on the front porch, which, of course, is still doing beautiful. But when I this is my second year with a a hydrangea on the front porch, and they don't come back. They die off, but like the ones outside always come come back. But what am I not doing with this one? I want to keep one on the front porch in a pot. Uh, You're not recognizing. You want to know what you're not doing. (laughs) So you're not recognizing that the hydrangeas that are sold retail uh, for use in a landscape are not the same hydrangea as the ones that are florist hydrangeas you probably have in the pot on the front porch. Well, no. uh, No, it's one I got from... Um, a pike. And it and said so it, it was, you know, n- not a florist type thing. Okay, well, that's good. Florist hydrangeas, no, bless I, I, their hearts, have great foliage on them, but they bloom about once every five years because they just don't get, get frozen back. Mostly they get frozen back, don't have the right environment to, to bloom. Not like a greenhouse is where they were raised. Sure. Okay, but if you got one, a landscape hydrangea yes. from pike, yes. and you say it still looks good on the porch, it's hadn't beautiful. lost its leaves, right. mm-hmm. well, I mean, how are you going to keep it from getting too cold when it goes down to below? freezing. What but, are you going to do? But the ones in the yard experienced that, and they came back. Yeah, well, they come back, but they're going to lose leaves. The one on your porch is going to lose its leaves when it's freezing, right? Right. So I, I, I leave it alone, like I, I leave the ones on the side of the house alone. Yeah, yeah. They and come back, if it, it looks sort of ugly there on the porch with just the stem sticking up, you can move it around the corner of the house or by the garage or someplace like that where not everybody has to look at it when they come inside. But yeah, it'll come back. If it's one of the landscape hydrangeas, it'll do fine. But should I water it in the winter? Because I don't. Well, if you put it out where the rain can get to it, I it think there'll be work. enough water in the potting uh, in the pot. Be sure it's up off the ground a little bit so it does not plug the drain hole in the bottom of the pot. Maybe a couple of bricks or something like that. Okay. Wherever you put it, but yeah, it'll be fine. It won't freeze. The roots are not going to be terribly damaged by being exposed to cold. It'll be fine. Just take it off the front porch where nobody gets to see it. But you know, maybe sit it on the side of the house. And then it should come back in the spring, and sure. then I can bring it back in the front porch. Sure, right? sure, sure, sure. Don't All to the put good. it in the ground. Yep. 
Great, thank you. Thanks for calling, Jan. Right. Bye-bye. Fifteen minutes past the hour gives Wendy her turn. Wendy is in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, Good Wendy. Morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Wendy. How can I help? Good to hear. I have a night-blooming cirrus that my neighbor gave me. It's in about a 10-inch pot. Bloomed beautifully two right. times this summer. Great. What do I do with it for the winter? Do I bring it in the house? Do I leave it in the garage? Does it go dormant? How much light is available in the garage where you'll have it, maybe? Um, it's got the wind, you know, those four windows in it, so I can put it near that. If you'll put it near the windows, it will look sort of scraggly. It's going to lose some of the end, um, um, what do you call those things, the leaflet things on the, on mm-hmm. the plant. But it'll probably survive pretty well in the garage, as long as it doesn't get really cold. If it gets down to 30 degrees in the garage, all bets are off. It's not going to be happy. Night Blooming Sirius is a tropical plant, like the we've talked earlier this morning about Meyer lemon and some others that are tropical plants. You can't leave them outside, but you don't necessarily have to bring the Night Blooming Sirius into the house where the sunroom or something like that is. So if you get some light in the, in the garage, if you can stand the straggly look that's going to be in... Uh, March and April of next year, then bring it outside then. You can do that. And do I water it while it's in the garage or just leave it? Uh, put your finger in there. You have a digital water meter right at the end of your hand called your finger, and <laughs> you put that into the soil once every week or so and see if it's dry or not. If it's dry, water it. If it's not dry, leave it alone. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, thanks for calling, Wendy. Bye-bye. I hope everybody knows sort of what a night-blooming cereus is. It is a type of cactus. And the flower is enormous. The flower is easily six inches wide and maybe almost a foot sometimes long. And it blooms, as the name would imply, at night. And so people who have a night-blooming cereus that they inherited from their aunt or their grandmother or their neighbor when he moved away, um, put them in pots. They keep them outdoors most of the year underneath a little bit of shade, underneath a dogwood or something like that. And then when you bring them inside, they will start making these long buds. And you look and you wonder, when is it going to open? When is it going to open? And I know families who stay up until 11, 12 o'clock at night to see that bud finally, it opens up, really, really fragrant, beautiful flower. Everybody takes pictures of it and then all go to bed. But the Night Blooming Cereus is one of those plants that just does something interesting. It blooms at night, the Night Blooming Cereus. C-E-R-E-U-S, I believe is how you spell that if you're looking for it online. It's 717 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's going to be cloudy most of the day. Highs tonight, or I should say highs today in the mid-50s. By this evening, it's going to still be cloudy, cooler this evening, down into the mid-30s. Stay tuned. It allows most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Debbie in Stockbridge joins us. Hey, Deb, good morning. Hey, Walter. How are you? I'm fine. How can I help? Well, you probably said this 1,700 times, but I didn't need the information when you said it before. (laughs) But um, I need to know um, some bushes that are uh, good in shade. Let me assure all the listeners right now who are thinking that, yeah, I don't want to call Walter because he's probably answered this question a million times before. Call me anyway. I never get tired of answering the same question over and over. It just, every answer tends a little bit towards the personality of the caller or the situation that they describe. And so even though, yes, Debbie, I have been asked about flowering bushes for the shade, 
I'm willing to do it again just for you because I want Sotbridge to be pretty and you can make it happen. You're awesome. Okay, so <laughs> sadly to say, I don't have a lot of suggestions for flowering shrubs for shade because most of the time sunshine is what actually powers the uh, formation of buds and flowers and you know, the things that go on in a plant in order for it to bring a flower to reproduce. So a lot of times what I think is better is uh, perennial plants that have variegated leaves on them that do well in the shade. And variegated Solomon seal is my go-to plant for shade, for color, because the variegation on the leaves is so pretty. Um, Akuba is a shrub. You get several varieties that have different heights, but Akuba, or gold leaf plant, gold spot plant, some people call it, has yellow spots on the leaves, real glossy green leaves, pretty plant, grows perfectly well in the shade. Um, Encore azaleas are not going to do very well. Maybe some of the other Japanese um, azaleas might do a little bit better, but they're not going to do great right up close to the trunk of the tree. It's just too dense of shade there. Um, let's see, what else can we put in there? Some of the leucothwe have reasonably pretty flowers, but variegated foliage. A variegated leucothwe would be nice. Dog hobble is a, another name for it. Dog hobble or Lou L E U C O T H O E Lucothwe. Yes, I can spell it still. And if you go to my website, Debbie, there are just type in plant lists, and there is a list of plants for shade, plants for sun, plants for soggy places, trees for shade, etc., etc., etc. Lots of lists of plants on my website, and the ones that I have forgotten right now, you can pick up on that. Run down to a pike and get some and plant them. But generally speaking, flowering is going to be tough in the shade, but foliage color is going to be the way to go. Do I fertilize now if I plant now? No. Maybe some okay. slow-release fertilizer, Milorganite, or, or uh, Sure Start, EB Stone Sure Start would be fine now, but nothing like miracle Grow right now. Not at okay. all. Okay, perfect. Thank you. You bet, Debbie. Thanks for calling. Mm -hmm. It's 727. We'll be back after news. You said... It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.35 in the morning, 44 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you do or don't want to do. I can provide excuses free of charge while you wait. Sure, be glad to if you'd rather not do any gardening today. 404-872-0750 is my phone number. Debbie is in Marietta. She dialed those numbers just a couple minutes ago, and here she is on the line. Hi. Hey, Deb. Hi. I have a question about a red maple. Okay. That happens to be in the backyard, mm -hmm. um, I need to move it to a sunnier spot. Is it possible? It's probably four to five feet tall. Yeah, yeah. Do you think I could... I, I've tried to dig around it uh, to pull it out of the ground, yeah, but sure. it, I don't know. Uh, do you think it's possible to move it to the front yard where it's sunnier? I do indeed, and I think you need a helper. I think you need a partner. I think you need somebody else to grab the other side of the tree as you're on one side and that person on the other and just <laughs> jump it up out of the ground. Yeah, you can okay. do that. Now's a great time. The leaves are pretty much all off of the maples right now, so they don't need water particularly. And any, any roots you leave behind, behind the house when you pull it out of the ground, the tree's not really going to be harmed by that loss of roots. 
And okay. so you dig a nice place in the front yard, dig a nice wide area, plant it in the middle. Life is good. Next spring, the leaves come on and the tree thrives for you, Debbie. Okay. About how big a hole should I, how deep a hole should I dig for a four to five feet tree? I was, I was monitoring a conversation between some soil and tree professors last night, just reading the thread of conversation about whether or not it is a good thing or not so good thing to amend the soil. And the consensus amongst all these tree and professor types was that there's no need to put any organic matter in the soil when you're planting a tree. But the most important thing you can do is to loosen the soil in a wide area around where the tree is going to be planted. Okay. And so they were talking about using spading forks and shovels and things like that, chopping up the dirt real good. So for a four or five foot maple tree, I would try to make a, an area that's loosened about 10 feet across, 10 feet from side to side, that you've simply taken a shovel and turned the soil okay. over a couple of times, chopped it up real good, and plant the tree in the middle. Okay, got it. You can do it. Okay, I'll get a helper. But Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, but you need that helper, Debbie. Don't do it all by yourself, or you'll be mad at yourself for, for yeah, days and how sore you are. To, I yeah. already broke the shovel trying to dig it up. <laughs> Go buy a new shovel and get to it. All right. We'll see you, Deb. Thank you. Bye. 738, and that gives Fran her turn. Fran's out in Stone Mountain and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Hi, friend. Walter. I have a question on my St. Augustine sod. Sure. Um, about three weeks ago, my sod company emailed us and said we should consider putting a fungicide down because of all the rain. Mm. But my lawn company just yesterday emailed us and said they want to come out and put it down with a weed control also. Is that appropriate time to do all this? This year of all years, it probably is. If you had asked me last year, 2014, or the year before that, when we had a relatively dry fall, I would have said, nah, I don't really think you need a fungicide. But I got a, an email from North Carolina, from their turf uh, uh, department of NC, North Carolina State, and they said, boy, there's a lot of brown patch showing up right now on fescue and some other grasses. Bermuda, I mean, not Bermuda, but St. Augustine grass doesn't fully go dormant at my house until maybe January or February. Mm -hmm. Anytime it has green leaves on it, that is a, and if the leaves are damp too, then that's a great environment for fungal things to develop. And so I'm going to lay on the side of the professionals and say, yeah, this is a good time to put uh, a, a fungicide down. And uh, as far as weed control, it's late. I mean, they sort of have missed the whole the good time to put the pre-emergent down is in September. They'll get some control. Right. You'll get some control by putting it down now in mid to late November. So if it doesn't cost too much, I'd let them go ahead and do it. But honestly, they should have done it in September. Um, oh, okay. And we had a bad uh, infestation of um, nuts edge. Yeah. So will, yeah. will it kill it now? I don't think the nut sedge uh, products are going to be very active it's when the nut sedge stubborn. is down. Yeah, I think the better time to control nut sedge is in April, May. You put the products down that control it and wait for the nut sedge to absorb those chemicals when it's growing fast in May or June. So okay. probably not nut sedge control right now. Other okay. pre-emergence for the winter weeds, the chickweed, and the poa annual and things like that, I guess you can. You'll get about 50 or 60 percent control by having waited this long. Yeah. But uh, you can well, talk to them. Well, they did do a treatment for the weed control about, I would say, about a month ago. Hmm. So I was surprised that they wanted to do that again. I can't think of any reason, any other treatment other than pre-emergent that you'd want to put down. And if they did that a month ago, that was that was good. They got the yeah, date Yeah, they did do right. that. Check them out and see why they want to put a weed product down now. It's 
some okay, situation good. that I'll, I, d- I'll defer to their judgment, but unless you get a real good explanation of why and where and what it's going to do and how what weeds are going to be controlled, I could maybe leave the weed control out of the out of Oh, the okay, good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help Thanks. on this. Thanks for calling, friend. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Chris, Chris is out in Decatur. Chris joins us on Lawn and Garden. Chris, good morning. Morning. Let me smash this button here. <laughs> I can tell you are from the South, Chris. Where else do we pick, do we say mash this button? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I done mashed it. It's good now. All right. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Mash that button in the elevator. Mash number two. <laughs> <in the elevator. laughs> How can I help, Chris? Well, I, I've got a little third acres on, and and I got two maple trees in the front, and uh, they're dropping all the leaves, and my, yeah. my lawn is mostly. Violets and uh, strawberries and mm-hmm. uh, some maybe a little bit of fescue and some lyria open. Yeah. And uh, I just I just mow the leaves. You know, I don't even bother to rake them anymore. Or bag yeah. them and I just I got that recycling mower and I just run over it. And I, I just was wondering, is that you know, do I need to? Does that change the alkalinity of the soil or something? Do I need to do something about that? As long as it's not making a pile that is uh, covering the leaves of the fescue that you want to have and and not allowing sunshine to get down to the fescue leaves, as long as you're not leaving piles when you do your shredding of the leaves on there, no, you're doing fine. It's not going to hurt the lawn at all, not going to change the pH, make it more acid or alkaline either way. But just don't make piles. Don't make a big, long windrow of shredded leaves that covers the fescue grass. I just must mash them all. I just shred them all up. <laughs> That's exactly what you do, Chris. Thank you, sir. You're a great American. You bet. Thanks for calling. You're a great American, too, because you are thankful for everything that we have thanks for. By the way, this morning, sometime around the 845 mark, I will be reading a Thanksgiving gardener's prayer, which I think you will really enjoy. That's coming up this morning around 845, 855 or so, just before the show ends. My friend Watson is out in Union City and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Brother Watson. Hey, no, thanks for taking my call. What can I do for you, uh, my friend? I've got, I've got some Thanksgiving cactuses that's just going wild with blooms. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, what I wonder is, should I, f- I fertilize them now or wait till all of the blooms are gone and then, uh, then feed them good? I don't think it's going to matter much, Watson. Um, you know, I've told a couple of people this morning with houseplants to water them with uh, ice cubes. And I myself have a couple of little Tupperware containers that I have uh-huh. ice that I added some miracle Grow to and fill with uh, water and milk will grow and they freeze pretty well and so that's what I use. I sort of hit it with my hand and it breaks it apart. I put two or three chunks of frozen milk will grow ice in my um, houseplants and that feeds them enough to keep them happy it seems to me. I'm sorry but I can't uh, understand what all you're saying there. I'm saying uh, don't, you don't need to worry about fertilizing right now. When they're uh-huh. really going fast, when they're growing real well next spring, when you take them outside Watson, fertilize then. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Got it? Watson? I think yes, sir. All right, Watson, you're taking time to think about this. That was a little a little scary there. So bottom line, yeah, it's not going to matter too much, but if you really want my opinion, it should be fertilized okay. next spring. All right. All right. Watson, great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Keep Union City yes, beautiful. Yeah. All right. Good weekend. We'll see you soon. we got Mary's out in Bogart, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mary, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, Mary. How can I help? I have a rhododendron. It is now in a pl- pot. It blooms in the fall. 
It is root-bound. I'm wondering, can I plant it today or tomorrow in the ground, and should I put any soil amender when I plant it? Mary, I'll admit, both Ashley and Scott and myself have these wrinkles in our forehead right now. We're saying, rhododendrium? What is that? Are you talking about rhododendron or some yes, other plant? that's what it is. Rhododendron! Okay, relax, everybody. It's rhododendron. We were afraid you had some new plant we never heard of before. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we weren't sure what that was going to be, the rhododendron. Okay, you got a rhododendron in a pot. And what was the question about it, Mary? Should, can I plant it today in the ground because it's root-bound? It blooms in the fall. Yes, you can. And I would hope that when you take it out of the pot, you take your fingers and untangle the roots as best you can so they don't stay root bound because if you plant it and don't untangle it it'll take a while before the roots will spread out into the ground around but if you untangle them and sort of spread them out in the place where you have the hole dug in the yard and uh, let them go in several different directions it'll be a lot happier if you untangle the roots yes i know that but do i add soil amendment because there's some question now about that generally speaking you won't get a lot of advantage by adding soil amendments to a rhododendron but Sometimes I do things just on faith, and my faith says sometimes an amendment for a witty plant like a rhododendron, one that grew up in the woods, sort of, it probably doesn't hurt to put the soil amendment in. So I want to say for you, Mary, yes, let's put a soil amendment in for the rhododendron, mix it into an area three or four feet wide, I guess, and plant the rhodi in the middle. All right, then. Thank you very much. Nothing to it. Thanks for calling, Mary. And have a happy holiday. Yourself the same. Thanks. Bye. 404-872-0750, the number that Joey dialed just a second ago. And, Joey, if you'll do it really fast, we'll get you in here, and you can be about your day. Hey, Joey, good morning. Good morning. Quick question. Uh, general pruning or trimming of uh, just regular shrubbery around the house. Uh, mm-hmm. I got azaleas, boxwood, lower pedalum, uh, hollies. Yeah. Is it now? Can I trim them back some or no? Uh, the azaleas, if you trim them now, you're taking away all the flower buds for next year. So if you can okay. stand not having flowers, now is as good as any time to trim them. But if you want some azalea flowers, you better wait till after the, all the blooms are gone next spring before you trim the azaleas. The uh, Laura Petalum, mm, sort of the same thing. You're going to remove some flowers if you prune now. If you need to prune because it's just too big in front of the bay window or some other good reason, it's not going to hurt the plant. It just won't have as many flowers next year. Boxwoods, you don't grow it for its... Uh, for its flowers anyway, so boxwood, yeah, you could prune a boxwood now, no problem. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Nothing to it. Get to it, Joy. We'll see you soon. 747, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Not the mommy, not the mommy. Oh, man, what a great show. We're all dancing here in the studio. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Clouds increase throughout the day. A little chance of rain, I don't think. It's in the mid-50s this afternoon. Prepare for the cold to return overnight, though. It's going to be down to the low to mid-30s under cloudy skies. Clearing out by tomorrow morning. Stay tuned. At last, most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and ever and AM 750 WSB. Jimmy is in Cleveland, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jimmy, good morning. Good morning. I was getting ready in a little bit to go out and 
plant some uh, native azaleas and some mums. Good man. And you were talking uh, earlier today, this morning, about shaking dirt off the nandinas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that go for all potted plants or just nandinas? Every slap one of them. <laughs> Everyone, Jim, you got to do it to all okay. of them. Yeah, if they've got dirt around the roots, you really are going to help to stimulate those roots to go outward. If you shake the dirt off and sort of use your fingers to untangle them a little bit and mm-hmm. put them in different directions, I'll give you a personal example of why this is important. Was six years ago we were doing TV at my house, and I said to my cameraman, "I said, look, I've got a situation. I don't know what's wrong with this camellia at the end of the row, but there are six camellias planted here. Five of them look great. One of them just never has grown very." Very much. Let's dig it up on camera. We'll see what's going on. And so we dug it up on camera, and sure enough, it, it had roots that were still only maybe the diameter of the root ball was only like three inches wide. It had not made any roots in the surrounding soil at all compared to the others, which had. And uh, the reason for it was it had been stuffed into the pot by whatever transplanter company had done it years before, and all the roots were sort of just crunched up together in that two or three inch diameter root ball and hadn't gone anywhere. So if mm-hmm. you take the dirt off of a root ball of a shrub before you plant it, you're able to examine the roots, untangle them, put them in the right direction, the plant will thank you. Well, that sounds good, and I just didn't know if that was pertaining to Nandana or not. No, it pertains to everything. And everything. Trees that are in a pot, I've shown this to some of my uh, master gardener friends, but when I plant a tree that came from a pot, I take a water hose just wash as much of the soil as I can off the roots. And many times I'll find a circling root in there that has to be uh, clipped or untangled from everything because it just circles around and around and around inside the pot, and that's not good. If you have to clip... Uh, the circular one. As yeah. long as you don't do too many, it's okay. That's exactly right. Good instincts. Exactly right. I had to clip the one that from the uh, Carl Bart maple that I show in my slide, and I uh, got a buddy to hold it straight out from the trunk, and I, you know, backfill soil around it. Mm-hmm. And more that tree looks so pretty right now, thriving. Carl Bart maple looks great. Well, that's great, man. Well, I certainly do appreciate it. Good talking to you, Jimmy. Thank you. Bye bye. Seven fifty-seven. We'll be back after news. I can't make them stay. Shake, 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 shake,